If you live in suburbia, you may have experienced the tremendous blessing of sidewalk chalk messages. (laughs) As I walk around my neighborhood right now, which by the way, feels like a heavenly explosion of sensory input because I've been spending hours and hours inside my house, as I'm guessing you have too. But while I'm out for a walk with my husband, every block or so, we'll come across messages and drawings in pastel sidewalk chalk. And whether the drawing is beautiful or simple, scrawled by a pudgy little child hand or a grown-up hand, the effect on me is always the same. It moves me to tears. Because each drawing carries a little message of hope and of solidarity. It's a visual representation, I think, of humans just being lovely to each other. And I find it incredibly moving. So, you know, I have no sidewalk chalk, unfortunately, right now. But I do have this podcast. And my virtual sidewalk chalk message to you right now comes straight from the mouth of my guest today, my beloved business coach, Ben Kiker. And the message is this, anxiety does not contribute to outcomes. Our common enemy right now, you guys, is exactly that, anxiety. And Ben's techniques for moving through this time of anxiety are pure gold. And I got to tell you, it gives me such joy to share his techniques with you. I feel like Oprah giving you a car and you a car and you get a car. Because right now, cars aren't all that useful, but you know what is a really good business coach. So I want to give you a Ben Kiker and you a Ben Kiker and you a Ben Kiker. And here he is. And here we are. And you are so welcome. I'll see you on the other side. So I want to start with a quote from Maya Angelou. How about that? Oh, I can't think of a better way to start. Does that work? All right. If you get, give. If you learn, teach. And you and I have both gotten a lot and learned a lot. So I want to thank you for coming out of the darkness and firing up season three a little bit earlier than I suspect you scheduled so that we can give and we can teach because we've got a lot to help with right now. So I wanted to to, to start with that and two more quick thank yous and then we'll get down to business. Second thank you is for the incredible shout outs that you gave and the interviews that you recorded with both Andrea Koppel and Rebecca Zahn. We all talk about you incessantly, Ben. It's kind of absurd. But listen, though, I went back and looked at the notes that I took from both of those interviews. And there's great stuff in there right now for people. Like, it's it's applicable now. Yeah, it really is. That is right. So I hope that you'll reference those in the email that you'll send out about what we're doing. And then the third... That's a great idea. The third thank you, so I don't forget this at the very end. I just want to give a shout out to all the people who are on the front lines right now around COVID-19, from the healthcare professionals, government officials, the folks that are still down at Safeway and Walgreens and all of those folks. Just a big, 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 big thank you for the work that they're doing right now. I love that. And thank you. And I want to start, Mm. if it's cool with you, I have a quote for you too. It's so crazy. Every time I interview you, it's like God hands me this perfect quote to run by you during our conversation. And this one I literally just got off of Instagram from an interview that Russell Brand did with Dr. Gabor Mate, who's 
amazing. And he is an expert on addiction, Buddhism, meditation. There's like nine things he's an expert on. But he was saying how one time he was supposed to fly into a workshop and give a talk. Couldn't get there, plane delayed, audience of 300 just waiting. And the audience sort of tags this Buddhist monk in the audience to give the talk on behalf of Dr. Mate. So the Buddhist monk gets up there and he's like, look, in the West, you guys have this mantra, panic, panic, everything's out of control. And in Buddhism, we have this mantra, relax, everything's out of control. And it reminded me of let go or be dragged. So Ben, riff on that for a minute. Like, this is the ultimate test of let go or be dragged. Yeah, it is. You know, when I reached out to let folks know that I was coming back on the show today, I had some areas that folks wanted me to touch on. And really what it came down to is folks just said, listen, what have you been been struggling with? And what are you doing? So it's just sort of like good old fashioned problem and solution, right? Amen. So I really, but my, my hope, by the way, is that as we go through our time together today, we'll focus on problem and solution. Because I love by the end, for anyone listening or watching, just to lots of resources that they're making note yep. of. By the way, yep. I kind of love that we're recording this because I'm like doing things with my hands right now. People, <laughs> that people are like, oh, what's he doing? He's writing on his hand. So, that's the so here's what I think the essence of the problem is. And this will get us to let go or be dragged. The essence of the problem is unprecedented uncertainty that has led to constant interruption. I'm sure you're talking about me in all aspects of my life. And I know in all aspects of your life and I'm sure of all the folks that are, that are listening. Especially so, with children at home, for sure. The solution, though, is, and this kind of goes back to the quote that you had. It's mm. how do we do the moment? And building resiliency to be incredibly present for the current moment. That's it. So if no one takes anything else away from our chat today, it's the problem is this unprecedented uncertainty that creates incredible interruption in all aspects of our lives. And the solution is, what are the steps I can take? What can I do? to come back into the present moment and be as present as I possibly can. That's it. That's yeah. So that's what yeah. I would love, if we can, to kind of guide our conversation for today. I love it. Is around how do we just be incredibly present and come back to the current moment? And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have noticed, you know, I, I'm so fascinated by the different sort of frequencies our brains operate at. There's like the frequency of total absorption and flow. There's the frequency of like superficial attention paying. And I have noticed that on the days that I relegate the news to like tiny snippets of my day, because everything is so jacked up, I'm so much more present because I don't know what's going to happen next. I have no idea who's going to walk into my room. So I'm not screwing around. I'm like, in whatever activity I'm doing, because I don't know if I'm going to get a chance later. Have you noticed that, Ben? Like, have you noticed that some of the chaos is almost forcing us to be present? Because where else are we going to go? Well, that's it. That's it, right? So the thing that happens before let go or be dragged is, and I coach clients on this all the time, is recognizing 
when I am not, because it's happened a lot for this week, when I am not grounded, regulated, not feeling in the flow, the first thing that I need to do is I need to hit the pause button and I need to pull up. Now, wait, before you go any further, Ben, what does it look like for you when you are not regulated and not in flow? Like, how does it manifest? How are you like, oh, "Oh, shit, I'm out of flow? So, first of all, I just, I feel like I am getting dragged. I feel like I'm getting pulled somewhere. I feel like I am on, the best visual I can give, Bronwyn, is I am on the train track and the train is behind me, just barreling down on me, right? That's the best visual that I can give of what it means when I'm not regulated, not grounded, not in the flow. That's such a terrifying metaphor because the panic, the pressure, the scarcity, the terror of that is so real and it's such a good metaphor. It is. And so that's when, when I begin to sense that in my body, that's when I need to hit the pause button and pull up. and. The whole concept behind hitting the pause button and pulling up is to create a little bit of distance between me and the thought so that I can then begin to take a contrary action. That's right. And I know that you had Adam Dorsey on your show yesterday. Yep. And I am sure that he had a lot of good things, a lot of helpful things for folks. And I suspect, by the way, that a good thing to put in front of every one of those suggestions that he had is hit the pause button and pull up. Put a little bit of distance between you and your thinking and then go, what can I do to come back into the present moment? And that's where let go or be dragged can be so incredible. So I hit the pause button, pull up, look at what's going on Mm -hmm. and then go, what do I really have control over? Yeah. That's it. God, it's what so do I, What do I really have control simple. over in this moment? And the reality is, there are only two things that I truly have control over. The actions that I take and the attitude that I choose to show up with. That's it. That's right. That's that is it. exactly right. That's it. The actions that I take and the attitude that I show up with. That's exactly, exactly right. I, I also want to... Speaking of hitting the pause button, I found a technique that's helping me hit the pause button that I just discovered by listening to an audio book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And I found Michael Singer as an author because of Shelley Paxton, who was on my, my oh, um, sure. podcast recently talking about Soulbatical. He wrote another book called The Surrender Experiment. They're all great books. But The Untethered Soul is about dealing with the constant chatter in our mind. Mm-hmm. And the technique he uses to get some distance between the constant mental narrating, there's not enough, the sky is falling, look at the stock market, we're all going to die, insert here. He calls it his roommate. He refers to that voice as like his annoying roommate. And I swear to God, when I start to spin out, if I'm like, oh, that fucking roommate, man, she doesn't shut up, it creates just enough of an aperture for me to be like, oh, wait a minute. That isn't me. Okay. And it check gives it me that space. So check it out. Two things. One, Byron Katie described oh. her, by the way, native, fellow native Texan. Shut the front door. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, anyway, so she has a great quote. This was sort of the epiphany that she had over 30 years ago. When I believed my thoughts, I suffered. 
when I didn't believe them, I didn't suffer. And so what you just said about the roommate is akin to, as you know, what I love calling my insane thought generator, that super unhelpful voice. And listen, for everybody that's listening right now, just pick a name for that thing, right? Call it roommate, call it ITG, insane thought generator, call it Fred. By the way, I... (laughs) Apologies to anyone named Fred. It's a great name. I don't know why I just thought of call it Fred, right? Yeah. But just pick a name because here's why. It allows us to begin that process of creating that distance, right? So for me, the thing that generates all of the unhelpful stories, I refer to as my insane thought generator. And And the timing on this was so good, Ron, when I just published a blog last month about my insane thought generator, the six favorite moves that it loves to make, like (laughs) really get me out of the present moment. And number six, and this was before everything started happening with COVID-19. Number six is my ITG loves to send the DEF CON level to one. And just as a reminder, that's the bad one, by the way. (laughs) That's the bad one. You don't want to be a DEF CON one. Yeah, so it yeah. loves to take the DEF CON level to one. And there's a lot going on in the world today for my yeah. ITG to connect to and want to take the DEF CON level to one. I agree. And, and even if it is DEF CON one, like let's say that, oh my God, the Amazon truck is here. Do you know how exciting that is for me? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> that, bell, that bell is for the Amazon Guy or dad. That man or woman is a hero. They have my Kindle because I dropped my Kindle in the jacuzzi in Mexico before the world fell apart. And I'm like, this is the worst time to be with a Kindle. So God bless this brave warrior. Anyway, the point is, even if things are DEFCON 1 and even when things are at absolute crisis level, it doesn't help for us to be panicking. Like even if the insane thought generator is like, yeah, the world's about to end. Even if that were true, Yes. It doesn't help us prepare or meet the end with any kind of presence of mind. Correct. Okay. Right? Hold that for a moment. We're going to take a little detour, and then we're going to come back to it. So here are, to get just like really real and raw right now, here are some of the things that have been keeping me up at night this week, getting me ungrounded. Number one is huge interruption to my communities. I realize now I'm part of a lot of really freaking cool communities. Bob, when I've got my fitness community, my recovery community, my neighborhood community, right? Get a dog, you'll get to know all your neighbors, right? So Guess true. what? When we're, you know what, right? Because you got a pup, you got a fur baby. Right. So, and now when we're out walking, poor Rocket doesn't understand why are we not getting close? What's going on over here? So huge interruption to the communities that I'm a part of. Second is interruption to my business. And you and I have talked about this. Things have slowed down. And by the way, when you're a solo entrepreneur, it gets a little scary. It gets a little scary. I used to say, if all else fails, I'll drive for Uber. But that doesn't work right now. Oh, my God. Let's talk about money for a minute, Ben. Let's talk about, because this is one of the main things that people want to know. Okay. And you and I are both big proponents of staying, of having some sort of 
common thread of like an abundance mentality. Yes. How do you honor reality without getting trapped in scarcity thinking? Because I think the number one thing that's causing panic, number one, is probably health. But yeah. number two, if not also number one, is money. What do yeah. you say to people that are in terror over money? Okay. So two more things that are interrupted, and then we'll get to the money part because it's connected to okay. all of it. The Got second it. is interruption of my routine every aspect of it. And the third thing is, let's be honest, because Rick is in the other room right now, kind of interruption to my relationship, right? And you've shared a couple of things about having salad home. So this is just one of the things that's happened this week. I got on a Zoom video call earlier this week and Rick said, you're wearing that on a Zoom? <laughs> I'm like, this is not helpful. I love you, but it's not helpful. He's so into the whole shelter in place thing that the other morning, I literally felt compelled to sneak out of the house with the dog. Yeah. And we got in the car and drove to one of the parks in Palo Alto. Like, I didn't want to have the conversation with him. Yeah. So I literally, like, I'm a high school kid sneaking yeah. out in the middle of the night. It's the same here. Why is there always one of us that is like, it's the OCD people, Ben. The OCD so, people are losing it. Okay. So let's get to money. So what's okay. underneath all of that is fear, right? Yeah. I'm going to lose what I have or I'm not going to get what I want, right? And a big yep. part of it is around health and is around money. And that generates a significant amount of anxiety. And the definition of anxiety, by the way, is unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Right now, it all has an uncertain outcome. And listen, this is what we yeah. got to remember. Anxiety does not lead to outcomes. Oh, right? say that again. Say so that again. Anxiety does not contribute to outcomes. So Amazing. I'm going to take it from the top. The problem is an interruption to all aspects of our lives. The interruption leads to fear. I'm going to lose what I have. I'm not going to get what I want. Fear contributes to anxiety. Anxiety is unease about something with an unknown outcome. It's all unknown right now. Just being anxious about something doesn't contribute to the outcome. It really right? doesn't. It really right. doesn't. So yeah. let's talk about money for a moment. Yeah. So there are a couple of things that are helping me now. One yeah. is to come back to the two things that I control, actions and attitude. So one of the actions that I can control is to look at what we're spending money on right now. The good news is we're not spending a lot of money on anything, Bronwyn, because we're not going anywhere, especially with the prison guard I got downstairs. (laughs) That's right. So for people who are, and I get it, again, this is back to the solo entrepreneur comment that I made earlier. I absolutely get the concern around money. So number one is to remember what you can control. You do have control over what you're spending money on right now. That you can control, that you can make an adjustment to. The second thing is I would encourage you to look back to prior times when things were tight and really ask yourself the following question. Were you okay? Were you okay? And this is where a little bit of age helps. I think back to the dot-com meltdown. By the way, side note, 
I never knew this about you until I heard your interview with Andrea Koppel, that you actually interviewed for a pre-public Google. I mean, Ben, it's one of those fork in the road stories that Uh the older I get, the more proud I am to own my fuck up. But it is literally a life-changing bad decision right there. Or maybe it was a life-changing good decision. I probably wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now if I had been pre-IPO at Google. (laughs) I love it. I love it. it. So listen, I remember how incredibly difficult that period was. You remember how difficult that period was. Yes. Yes. We got on the other side of it. So one of the things that I, when I look back at that stage, it was so terrifying because I was at an age where I hadn't learned lessons around saving money. I was spending money like a drunken sailor because in the pre.com, you just got a new job every year and bumped your income by 20 well, And you doubled your income and everything was up and to the right. Oh, yeah. And like my mom would be or my dad would be like, geez, this seems like it's been up and to the right a little too much. I'm like, oh, my God, you're so old. You don't even get it. So I had no savings. I had nothing. And I just was like, I was party being my make it rain, make it rain. rain. But this is what I remember. It was so terrifying. It was so humiliating. The humiliation Mm -hmm. and humbling nature of being someone who went from a very comfortable, solid six-figure income to a zero-dollar income was that it caused me to double down on, okay, what what skills am I going to develop right now? And as I said on the Andrea Koppel interview, I doubled down on writing and storytelling. And those were awful, awful times. But it made a decent writer out of me. And, you know, it's so funny right now in my business because all of my speaking engagements got canceled. I have nothing scheduled. And I was like, well, what can I do right now? I can grow my list. I'm going to offer free content to grow my email list, right? So it's it's exactly what you're saying, which is what can I do right now? So what can I do right now? So the other thing that I would also, and again, on the, on the money part, this gets back to perspective. So I think about 2008, 2009, right? Very, very difficult time. I remember that the organization I was working with at the time, publicly traded B2B software company, we were literally looking at three different strategic moves for the company. We were either going to make a major acquisition, we were going to be acquired, or if neither of those things happened, we were going to reduce headcount by 30% because we saw what was happening with the economy going into 2009. It was just absolute insanity, absolute insanity. And yet we made it through that time. And so with that perspective, what I'm able to remind myself of and this is really helpful with countering the roommate, with countering the insane thought generator is, I am enough and I have enough. Today, Friday, I am enough and I have enough. Oh my God, Ben. That do, I get a bell? do I get a bell for that? Ring your bell. I mean, I have enough. Oh my God. That I am enough. Be I have enough. And I suspect, by the way, Bronwyn, that today, both of those things are true for you. Yeah, they are. They yeah. totally are. Right. They absolutely are. And they're, they're true for most all of us. And these times are so uncertain and so hideous. I can't speak to everybody's situation. But even if the bank account says otherwise, 
there's still value in pumping that message through your mind because it creates calm presence, right? There was a great article. And again, this is all about coming back to the present. So going back to the ultimate problem right now is the incredible interruption to all aspects of our lives. The solution is building resiliency to come back to the present moment. That's it. Nobody takes anything else away from today's conversation. That's it. What brings us back into the present moment? One of the many things that brings us back into the present moment is mantras, right? Around I am enough, I have enough. So also try to have a little bit of perspective. So I'm going to share a great story with you. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal last week that talked about how the world financial system is less fragile today than it was in 2008 and 2009. And you remember- Oh, that is so good to hear. Bear Stearns, Fire Cell, Lehman going out of business, on and on and on and on. And if you think about it, we haven't experienced that today. And the thing that I realized is I, Ben Kiker, am far less fragile today in 2020 than I was in 2009. Because 2009 was really, for me, the sort of recognition of, I got a big problem that I got to go work on. And so I share that because it also reminds us of the resilience that we have. And so, you know, you just got really vulnerable and shared a story about from six-figure income down to zero-figure income. Yeah. Uh, And I would just encourage everyone listening and watching to think about these moments before that they were able to successfully navigate through and let that fill your spirit, right? Let that fill your spirit. That's so beautiful. I have to write that down. I love that. I love that. It's so good. And I'm also sensing, in fact, one of the things Adam said yesterday that I just loved, he said, this isn't the opportunity we asked for, but it's the opportunity we got, right? What are you going to do with this? You know, I got to bring a little Richard Rohr, one of my spiritual teachers. So he did an email yesterday, and it was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And one of the things he said is viewing this as a teachable moment. And this kind of gets back to how do you want to view this? Do you you want to view what's happening right now as this is something that I have to do? I have to endure what's going on right now? and therefore be kind of closed and defensive about it, or this is something that I get to do. I get to be present today, right? I get to be helpful and therefore be open and curious about the way to do that. I love that. I love that. I have another question for you. I have two more big questions I want you to riff on. One of them is literally, and I was just on a call this morning with these wonderful people at Zoom. I just, they were such cool cool women. But one of the questions we ended with was like, how are you setting up your day now? And each of us had a different reaction. One woman has very little kids at home. Like we're talking like toddler, baby, and pregnant, if you can imagine. One of them has a five-year-old and I have kids that are pretty self-directed. My youngest one is nine. And so we went first by person, the woman who had the really little ones is pregnant was like, oh, I, I, I have no schedule. You know, I'm just dealing. And when I heard her schedule, I'm like, no, your schedule is based on the rhythm of these children. That counts. That's the thing. And I find that each of us, at least the folks that are functioning at a pretty high level during this hideous time, 
they're falling into a kind of rhythm, even if it doesn't look like that. Ben, what is, how has your day changed? Has it changed? Maybe it hasn't changed at all. So three things. First, Tuesday and Wednesday were, messy is not the right word. Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday did not feel as productive or effective as they could have been. And yeah. so if you've experienced that or you are experiencing that, the first thing that I want to say is be kind to yourself. We are all experiencing something that none of us have ever experienced before. So we're all trying to find a way to structure our day and to do what we've got to get done. So here are the things that I'm doing. Number one, and I actually shared this on, I think, our last podcast. And when it pops up, I still get people today that tell me how helpful it was. Yeah. Look for an anchor for action for your day. So, so powerful. Find something, find something that you can begin to build your day around, whatever that something is. So look for an anchor for action for the day that becomes the starting point for what you have to do for the day. So what's an example of your anchors for action that are that are consistent? I'm going to tell you the one that is consistent now in this new okay. world order that we're living in. Yep. Every day I attend at least one online 12-step recovery meeting. Oh, so and you mentioned Zoom, and I want to give a shout out to Zoom and to some amazing team members at Zoom that over the course of the last week when a lot of the churches, community building centers where 12-step meetings were being held here in the peninsula began closing. These folks from Zoom stepped up and said, here's our platform. We're going to make it free. And all the folks that have volunteered to sort of move those meetings online now. And it is amazing. Every time that I look at the number of 12-step meetings that are now happening online on the Zoom platform, literally that number grows every single day, every single what day. What a blessing. It is, it is just what, incredible. In fact, a side question, we'll get to it later, but what I love about recovery gatherings is you guys don't do small talk. You understand <laughs> the nature <laughs> of intimate connection, and I want you to put in the back of your mind to the end of the call, we're going to do a rapid okay. fire on okay. what can non-recovery people learn from recovery people about having actual connecting conversations and not like, oh my God. I just got back from Mexico and it was like really hot. I don't want to have those conversations anymore. I want to have meaningful, soulful conversations because it's what we need. In fact, shit, that's what I always want to have. <laughs> I mean, that's you. That's you. I mean, that's you. Okay. <laughs> I just jotted that down. So back Thank to you, what am I doing? Mind. So what am I doing for my anchors for action? I've actually got a yep. couple of so every day, and my intention, and by the way, I announced this on a online recovery meeting that I was on on Sunday. My intention is to be on an online meeting every day of this week, okay? Mm-hmm. So that is an anchor for action for me. And typically around that, I am setting up a one-on-one Zoom call with someone who I work with in recovery. So that's like a mm-hmm. solid two chunky hours of the day, all right? That's one. The other anchor for action, we got to talk about this as our morning practice, right? Uh, please so, we'll talk back. about the morning practice. So we'll come back to it in a moment. So recovery, big anchor for action, morning practice, big anchor for action. And then the other thing that I got back to yesterday 
is just doing some kind of fitness here at home. Got to get a little vulnerable and tell you something. So up until until this week, really all the fitness that I did, you know, I'm a big Barry's boot camp guy. I love going to Barry's. That's part of the community that I'm interrupted with now that I'm not a part of, right? So big Barry's boot camp guy, I have a personal trainer that I work out with. And what I realized, and part of what, what I was dragging for the last couple of days, is basically, here's how I work out today. I get in my car. I drive somewhere. I walk in, and someone tells me what to do. It, it is fantastic, Bronwyn. And I don't have that anymore. I know. It's terrible. So I literally put it in my calendar yesterday to work out and I did some things here at home. So I want to keep riffing on this kind of what am I doing with my scheduled day? So find these anchors for action. For me, they're around my morning practice, getting some kind of fitness done and then doing recovery, right? And then you start to fill in the rest. Okay. Number two, you got to schedule this stuff. And you did a great, I don't remember if it was a story that you did or a podcast, you talked about time blocking. Listen, here's the bottom line. If you want to get it done, you've got to put it in your schedule. It's too easy right now for everything to just sort of run together. So if you don't maintain an online schedule for work, just do something easy, piece of paper, whatever. But you have to, you, you've got to schedule stuff. And this is what I did yesterday, by the way. My intention yeah. was, I am going to do some kind of physical fitness today. And I literally blocked it out in my schedule yesterday morning. I love that. I love that. You know, something else I've been doing with the kids and the interruptions, I can't commit to the exact time because then I get frustrated with myself when it doesn't happen. So instead... I have this thing where I can't actually eat lunch until I've done my Tracy Anderson streaming workout. So well, like I start, my stomach starts to grumble and I'm like, guess it's time to work out because I can't eat until I've done Tracy Anderson. I gotta, I, there you go. So you got Tracy Anderson and, yep. uh, and then your reward is you get But food. all of well, these gyms are now, I, I got to imagine Barry's is going to cook up some streaming offering. So one of the things that Equinox is doing where I have a yeah. membership there I miss my little chilled eucalyptus towels right now, by the way. Me too. Oh, my God. My lift studio. Can I order one of those from Amazon? (laughs) We can Back to to the beginning of I don't need to spend money on that kind of stuff. I miss my little little chilled towels. Equinox, by the way, is sending out a let's stay connected. Listen, if you're trying to figure out a fitness thing to do, there is no shortage of fitness facilities, individual fitness instructors that are doing all kinds of cool things now on Instagram and quick workouts and things. It's never been easier. Body weight. So all you, but it starts with, if you want to do it, you've got to block it out. Okay. One more thing while we're talking about scheduling and being productive. I really encourage everyone right now at the end of the day, please take five minutes and just do a quick review of what you actually got done. Do a little GSD review at the end of the day. And again, because that helps build resiliency for us right now, which we need. And so that you can go, wow, in the midst of all of this craziness and yeah. all of the, the interruptions occurring right now, I actually got some shit done. I actually got some shit done. Now, I love that. 
Let me tell you how I do my little end of day review. I actually turn it into a prayer. And I do what I call a thank you prayer at the end of the day. Thank you for the workout that I did this morning. Thank you for the, like, literally, this is the way it's going to be for me at the end of the day today. Thank you for the podcast that I recorded with Bronwyn, for the opportunity to be helpful. Thank you for the meeting that I'm going to attend in the <coughs> 6 p.m. online. I literally turn it and I turn my review at the end of the day into thank you for fill in blank. And I do that to run down all the list of things that I was able to achieve and do for the day. Amazing. Amazing. And I want to say one more thing about prayer real quick, because I'm sure there are some folks that are like, oh my God, here he goes on the, the God thing and the prayer thing. Listen, all I've said this before, I think two of the most frightening words are prayer and meditation. Prayer <laughs> got this sort of like religious PTSD from growing up. I get it. Meditation, because we think we have to have been classically trained by a Buddhist monk for years and years. I just want you to think about prayer yes. as opening yourself, opening myself to all the love and energy that exists in the world right now. And I can't think of anything that we need more right now than to open ourselves to the energy and love that exists in the world. That's all prayer is. That's all prayer is. That is so beautiful. Oh, oh, I wrote that down. Did I tell you about the four pages of things? This is what happens when you reach out and say, come on my show. I'm like, well, I start and then I add more and then I add more. And it just pours out of you, right? Well. And you know, so this is where it pours out of me. So now we got to talk about morning practice for a moment. Okay, yes. So you said, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but actually it was back on Andrew Koppel's show when you talked about being able to come back to a place of being present. Am I getting that right? Okay. So for me, that moment is in my morning practice in the morning. And now more than ever, that is so critical. That is the time for me before I pick this up, my electronic distraction device. And before I read the news, more on that in a moment, before I read, before all of that email, my moment to just connect, connect, right. And have a very structured routine that I follow in the morning for my morning practice. It's so incredibly beneficial for me. So here's what it is. I'm going to run through it really quickly. You want me to do it? I want it all. So, yes. Okay. First thing I do, I get up. I have to go to the bathroom first. But after that, <laughs> um, you, we're getting real and authentic on 20 Minutes with Ron. <laughs> By the way, do you, know, do you know when you start to do hashtag 20 Minutes with Bronwyn and Instagram, the first thing yeah. that pops up is 20 Minutes of Cray. So if you start Cray, doing like C-R-A-Y. Like crazy, yeah. So if you do like if you do like 20 minutes and then it autofills of Cray C-R-A-Y, like 20 minutes. Perfect. Anyway, I just want to let you know that. Okay, yeah, so it starts with two glasses of water, grab a cup of coffee. There's two pages out of a piece of recovery literature that I read in the morning. It sort of talks about how to set your intention for the day. I then have three little daily guides that I read, all kind of connected to recovery. By the way, is this an important, probably a good time for me to say, listen, when I talk about recovery, newsflash, we're all in recovery from something. Yes, we are. 
Yes, you are. don't get to this point where you and I are today without being in recovery from something, right? Totally agree with it. you. You got to do it. I'm going to grab something. Hold on. I'm going to have a prop. Oh, I like so props. One of the things that I read in the morning is <laughs> Touchstone's Daily Meditations for Men Folk in Recovery. There is a men folk. version. For, for women, I didn't say men, folks. That's just me being a smart ass. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting up now. So I read the daily reflection, and then I highlight the line that jumps out for me. And the line I highlighted for today, March 20th, is springtime brings a feeling of liberation, and our growth in this program frees us from muddled thinking, denial, addictions, and codependency. So write that line down. And then I do a little bit of writing about why that line jumped out at me for the day. And then I pray. And then I end with a gratitude list to two guys in my pit crew who live down in LA. That's my morning practice. And here's the super cool thing about it, Bronwyn, is when I am really plugged in and connected in my morning practice, things just come to me without interrupting what I'm doing. I literally have a piece of paper beside where I am in the, in the, the dining room table doing my morning practice. And something will pop in like, oh, talk to Bronwyn about. And I'll literally jot it down. Yep. And I'll keep going. And it doesn't interrupt me. I just make a note, note of it. That is oh, my awesome. practice. That's how it works. So all this stuff, that I'm sharing why, because I tuned my process to yeah. say, I'm going on 20 minutes with Bronwyn. What can I share that will be helpful for her and for her audience? And it comes yeah. to me oftentimes in my morning practice. I Last that. thing about morning practice. Yeah. The consistency of it is far more important than the quantity of it. Meaning, uh, that's so huge. On average, 20 to 30 minutes a morning doing my morning practice. And when a lot of people hear that, they think, oh my God, I can never spend, what the fuck are you doing for 20 to 30 minutes? But you know, when I started it years ago, it literally was like three minutes, right? Yeah. So consistency is much more important than the quantity of it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Especially now, we need that moment, we need that time during the day. To get grounded. I agree. How did it come back to a place of being present? I totally agree. In fact, I, I wonder if that's kind of the main secret of high functioning people, especially in a time of crisis, the high functioning people are the folks that have some sort of scaffolding to keep them in place during insane turbulence. And if my morning practice is super specific and takes about a half hour also, and I used to think I didn't have time and I still made it work. And now I, now I have a lot more time because I'm not trying to get people out the door. I don't have any DC engagements I got to show up for. So I got all kinds of time. And I'm I got nothing but time right I got now. time coming out my ears. Although what's funny is that I've swung into, you know, going back to like, what, what do I have control over right now? You and I are in the helping profession. Uh-huh. Same with Adam and who I spoke with yesterday right now. I am profoundly busy because I am generating as much content as I can to help people. So I feel even more busy than I was even two weeks ago. It's just, I'm not making a lot of money on it, but I am absolutely serving from a place of devotion and purpose. And that morning practice only serves to help that. 
Right. So for, for sure. Right. And, and you and I were very much the same way. My commitment yeah. right now to the universe is just, I want to be helpful. That's it. Yeah. In the midst of all of this uncertainty, how can I be helpful? How can I be helpful right now? That's it. That's right. I love that. I love that. And Ben, I mean, we're at an hour. Do you love that 20 minutes with Bronwyn is a big fat lie? And I could go for another hour. I know. I know. So much. Okay, listen. Do you have more questions? Because I have a couple of things I want to close with. I mean, you know, I wanted to talk about how to skip the small talk and get to the real talk. Can you give me a rapid fire answer? How do we make more of our real conversations, everyday conversations, feel like recovery conversations? Because the best conversations are always happening in recovery meetings. I am sure of this. I've never been to a recovery meeting, but that is my feeling. You know, here's the way to think about it. Just dive below the surface. Dive below the surface and share what's really going on. And one of the things that I suggest, one of the ways to help when your ITG or roommate or Fred gets really noisy, pick up the phone and call somebody. Pick up the phone and like, you are never going to believe what this thing is telling me right now. And what happens, first of all, you're diving below the surface. It's not that, hey, I just got back from Mexico. Hey, your trip looked good. It's, oh my God, this is what's happening right now. This thing is telling me this. And then here's the beautiful thing. When you do that, you invite the person, and this is what's so magical about recovery. You invite the other person to reciprocate and tell you about their ITG thing too. And so the two of you are together self-regulating. That's what it's all about. That's what the magic gorgeous. Okay. Thank you. I got my needs met. Now tell me your last thing because I don't want to lose that either. So I want to close with a couple of things. One is I just want to encourage our listeners, take advantage of any and all services that your employer may provide. If you have really good mental health coverage right now, absolutely reach out, try to get something set up. A lot of therapists that I know and work with are rapidly moving online to work with clients. You can do a phone call, you can do a video session, but absolutely take advantage of any benefits that you have through your employer. Experiment. Do things like Headspace and other meditation apps, all of which, by the way, are rolling out some great things that can be helpful right now. So just, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Right. right. I'll put you an oxygen mask on first. All right. Three things for a close. Number one, however long this lasts, what we're experiencing right now, I just want to remind you, everyone listening and watching, that in the rich tapestry of life that we are all weaving and creating right now, this moment will be simply that. It will just be a moment, a thread and that rich tapestry. So that's number one. Number two, referenced this earlier, there are two ways of thinking about what's happening right now. I can either view this as, this is something that I have to do and look at it in this very closed and defensive way, or this is something that I get to do. I get to be helpful. I get to be present. I get to be a part of, and I can be open and I can be curious. And number three, And this is what I want to wrap with. We are all impacted by this. All of us are impacted by this. 
And what a gift that is, because we're all in this thing together and we have all got something to contribute to it, right? You and I are contributing right now by what we're doing right now. But listen, social distancing, adhering to that, sheltering in place, checking in with other people, prayer, putting positive energy out to the universe, that's all contributing. We all have, we're all in this thing together. And we all have the opportunity every single day, every single day to contribute and to help build not only resiliency for us individually, but for the communities that we live and work in and what a gift that is and what a gift you are. And thank you for having me on now for the third time. You are a gift in my life, Ben. That is so beautiful. Thank you for coming. And, you know, this won't be the last time. So we may have to revisit this. So good, right? That tapestry metaphor is so powerful. This is just one single point in time. And humans have been weaving tapestries throughout human history for a long time. We're just one tiny little section. And while it might not be the prettiest portion of the larger tapestry, it will likely be, you know, among the most interesting pieces. It reminds me, as most things do these days, of a passage from Lord of the Rings, the two towers, if you must know. And it's when Sam and Frodo are talking and walking ever closer to Mordor. And Sam says to Frodo, and don't worry, I'm not going to try and do Sam's accent. I I just, I can't. It's too hard. (laughs) Sam says to Frodo, we shouldn't be here at all if we'd known more about it before we started. But I suppose it's often that way. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo, adventures as I used to call them. I used to think that they were things that wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull, a kind of sport, as you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered or the ones that stay in the mind. Folks seem to have been just landed in them usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on, and not all to a good end, mind you. At least not to what folk inside a story and not outside it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into, end quote. May we borrow Sam's curiosity and openness during these <laughs> these days of miracle and wonder. Instead of cursing our fate, may we wonder what sort of tale have we fallen into, and may we take whatever that next right step is. Shine on you, crazy diamonds, and I'll see you next time. And never have I been more grateful for your ears and your hearts and your minds than I am right now. Take good care of each other, and I'll see you next time.